Let's begin. Philippians 1. So the letter of Philippians starts in a way which I believe most letters should, and that's by stating who the letter is from and who the letter's for. Again, classic. And so I'll just read this for you. This is from verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simple, very straightforward, but actually very powerful as well. Because in this you don't realise, but Paul then states who he is, who he's of, right? So where he's from. And he's addressing the people that he's speaking to, just not where they're from at Philippi, but also the kinds of people they are, to all God's holy people. Did you notice that? That he starts this letter by saying, I want you to remember that you are God's holy people. That together, we're on a mission that we've both received the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ. Right? That's a great way to start a letter. And I'm not sure if you do that, but I encourage you to start doing that. To Jeremy, peace and God's grace upon you. You are God's holy people. Be blessed. Might be a weird start, but you know, it'll, it'll get used to it over time. So Paul begins his letter, the content of it, uh, with a, an encouragement and a prayer. And I'll just read this out for you. This is, uh, this is verse 3. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Wow, that's really encouraging. There's a good work going on at Philippi, and I believe that God is going to carry that out to its completion. Now, I just want to tell you some backstory of the relationship of Philippi with Paul. Now, this is in Acts 16, you can read this. Um, but Paul receives this vision from God. And so this man from uh, Macedonia, which is where Philippi is located in, that is crying out for help. And Paul sees this vision and he says, Macedonia needs the gospel. And so he heads right over there and he arrives in Philippi and he starts, you know, preaching the gospel. And at first he finds a lady and the lady um, gets baptized by Paul and her, and her household as well. Um, and then they find uh, there's this... Uh, slave lady that she's able to tell fortunes because she has a spirit inside of her um, and so she's just crying out these men have come to this is Paul and Silas these men have come to save and and bring salvation and she keeps just crying this out like calling out who they are trying to expose them and this is what it says in Acts that Paul pretty much just gets fed up and he says all right spirit get out of her I've had enough and so the spirit leaves her now, because she's a slave, her owners are really annoyed because she can't tell fortunes anymore and they can't make money out of her. And so they actually bring Paul and Silas before the authorities and then they get chucked into prison. And what they do in prison is very typical of Paul, is he just praises God and Paul and Silas start singing hymns together. And they do this all night. And in the night, uh, earthquakes begin to happen and these earthquakes open up all the prison doors in the jail. And the prison guard is terrified because he's like, oh no, all the prisoners have escaped. And so what he does is he, he grabs his sword and he's ready to end his life. Uh, but before he does that, Paul and Silas cry out saying, no, we're still here, don't kill yourself. And the prison guard being so terrified, he says, 
how can I save my life? And they say to him, give your life to Jesus. And that's what he does. And he takes um, Paul and Silas to his house and their household, all of the household gives their life to Jesus. And so there's this beginning of the church in Philippi. Anyway, the next day it comes along and uh, they get word from the officials saying that they have to leave the city because they've caused such a mess. And so they leave the city on kind of bad terms with the city authorities. But the church has actually begun in Philippi, which is very exciting. And so Paul continues on his missionary journey. And so this is some time later that Paul is writing this letter to them. And he knows that there's, a, there's good people in Philippi. And this is where this encouragement is coming from. Now what he says next is very funny. He says, It's right for me to feel this way about you all, since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In this, you can see how much love Paul has for the people at Philippi, for the church in Philippi. He absolutely adores these people and he just has so much encouragement and blessing to give to them. He says, I have so much love for you because you are with me in the grace of God. How good is God? And he says, oh, I just pray that your depth and insight and knowledge of the love of God will just continue to grow. Wow, if you knew what he has for you, you would just be blown away and amazed and in awe of who he is. I just pray that for you. Every time I think of you, I just can't hold it in. I'm so excited. Now, there was something that was in this passage, which is really easy to miss. Let me just read it again for you. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. When Paul wrote this letter, you'll never guess where he was. I'll give you five seconds. He's in prison. Again. And so when he writes, whether I'm in chains, he means I'm in chains right now, but that doesn't matter. At least we both get to share in the grace of God. Now, Paul being in prison isn't a new thing for him. And I can imagine for a lot of you, if you, if you think about Paul, you kind of expect him to be in prison. Not to say that he was a bad guy, but just to say that he was so passionate about sharing the gospel, even in places that would be considered risky, scary places. And the reason he does this is because he places such value on the gospel, on the good news. And he encourages uh, the church in Philippi. In, in this next section, this is in verse 12. Let me just read this for you. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Right? And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That is exciting. You can see here, you can really feel how passionate Paul is about the gospel. He says, I'm in prison, but I don't care. Because how good is it that the news that the gospel of God is being shared across everywhere, everywhere I go. 
right? There's, there's no God that's not going to know that I'm in here for Christ, that I would give my life for him, and that I have. That's pretty encouraging stuff. That's pretty exciting stuff. And actually, for some of us, it's pretty scary stuff as well, isn't it? Because it's this idea that you would give anything, that Paul would give anything to spread the good news, you know, that Jesus has come, that he has saved us, which is good news. It's very exciting. But would you give your life for it, right? It's a question to ask yourself, and it's one that you maybe don't want to share the answer to. Would you give your life for Christ? Would you be chucked into prison for Christ, right? And Paul actually goes on to say, and he just, man, he loves the gospel. Because this is what he says, and I couldn't believe this when I read this. He said, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Uh, but what does it matter? Hey, what's like, should I care? No. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. What a funny guy, right? Because he doesn't care where you're coming from when you preach Christ. He's just excited that you're doing it. Now, I want to encourage you guys, preach Christ out of love. Share the gospel, share the good news out of a love that you have for your neighbor, the love that you have for God. Don't do it out of selfish ambition. I think that's what Paul is trying to highlight, that it can come from two places. But the importance is you're understanding what the good news is holding. That if you are sharing the good news, you'll really understand that knowledge and depth and insight of love, which was actually in Paul's prayer before, that he speaks about saying, do this out of love, do it sincerely, knowing what the, the value of the news that you hold, because it actually has the potential to change the world, to change the lives around you. And you just have to look at the life of Paul to see that. Continuing on through this letter, uh, Paul says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's confident I'm getting out, right? And I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by my death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That, that is a strong statement. Like I said before, would you give your life for Christ? Now, man, Paul is so topsy-turvy with this speaking because he says, to live is for Christ. That's what I live my life for, to exalt him, to praise him, to glorify him, to share his gospel, to share his kingdom. But if I die, I get to be with him, right? So death is my gain. And I would actually much prefer to be with him in heaven than to be here sharing the kingdom. But Paul has this understanding that he says, it's better for me to be sharing the good news. It's better for you that I share the good news so that you can be encouraged, that you can be taught, that you can understand the depth and the majesty of his love. Let me just read on for you. If I'm going to live on in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. That's what it says, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart 
and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And he doesn't mean this fleshy thing. He means the body of Christ. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. For those of you that don't know, there's joy in the faith. It's easy to forget sometimes, but there's joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So again, just to recap there, Paul saying that by my being with you and by us being together on this earth, it's actually better so that we can bring the kingdom here that we don't have to leave this earth behind and forget about God's creation, but that we can actually honor him, that we can exalt him by living out his desire for us, right? Just to, to know life and know life to the full, right? Our statement as a church is to come alive in our faith. And this is what that means. And so Paul understands, he's like, man, I'd die for this gospel. And you know what? I'd go a step further. I'd live for this gospel, right? And you look at Paul's life, it's a rough one. He has like really, really crazy journeys that he takes. And a lot of the time he spends in prison. And he has so much joy in the faith. He has so much um, courage and so much passion. And he says, man, like I'd much rather be up there, but this is great, isn't it? So Philippians 1 ends with this uh, passage here. I'll just read this out to you. It's a bit of an encouragement, which is very exciting. I love encouragement, if you can't tell. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as for the one faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and saved by God. For it is being granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I'm still going through, right? I think there's some relevance in that last section there. He talks about suffering for God, suffering for the sake of the gospel. And he says, now that you're going through something that I have been going through, and you're currently hearing about me going through, which is being in prison, or maybe a word that you're more familiar with at the moment, being in isolation. What does it look like to share the gospel? What does it look like to live out the gospel in isolation, right? It's a different world now, and a lot of us are rethinking how we do life, and we're kind of settling down into that at the moment, you know? Currently, we're on Church Online, so thanks for being here and tuning in. That's one way that we can share the gospel, but what does it actually practically look like for us to live this out, right? To suffer for God, because it is kind of suffering, isn't it? It's, no one's really enjoying this. Maybe there are some introverts that are, you know, in the dark of their room right now that are loving this. Um, I don't know. But this is something for a lot of us which puts us out of our comfort zone. See, I want to rephrase some things at the moment. I don't want you to suffer. That's not my heart. That's not the heart of this message either. And that's not the heart of God. But the idea to say is, where are you at in regards to exalting God, I guess? Where do you see yourself, or where do you see the importance of the gospel? Right? 
Like I said before, is it something that you'd give your life for? Not just your death, but your life. Is this something that you would live out? And what does it look like living that out in a difficult situation like isolation, right? Because we can't go outside, we can't hand out pamphlets. That's, you know, it's spreading the good news, but it's also spreading something else. So maybe that's not full of love then. And so there's lots of questions we need to be asking ourselves. But, I don't know, maybe it's as simple as what Paul does in prison. Just write a letter. Hey guys, I love you so much. Every time I think of you, I am just overwhelmed and I thank God for the people that you are. It's an encouragement, right? Or it's a teaching. You know, some people, they share out of this, but it's just good that the news is being spread, right? How, how meaningful do you think that letter was to the church at Philippi? Probably meant a lot, especially knowing that he was in prison. You know, how are you, Paul? We miss you. We hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. The gospel's being spread and this is wonderful. Oh, that's great to hear, right? Three simple ways that we can really spread God's word and not just his word, but his love in this time and in this season. And my encouragement to you is to ask God about that. Remember, God's not absent in this time, but he's very much with you and aware of what's going on. So if you want a solution to your problems, he's the best person to ask, I'm thinking. So I hope a lot of what I've said has made sense. It's, it's kind of all in different bits and pieces. I've, I've really filmed this in chunks and put it together. But like I said earlier, it's not just my job to deliver this amazing teaching for, for your life to be transformed by my words, but it's actually God's words that are coming through here. And the things that I've talked about, the things that I've read, you can freely access by going to your Bible or looking at it online. That's just any time available to you. So my hope is that you can really meet God in this, that you can ask him to reveal what he's saying to you, right? Because this is a relationship that you, you both have. Utilize it, right? Because he wants to talk to you and he wants to speak to you. And Paul's prayer was to have a, a deeper revelation, understanding and knowledge of an insight of his love, of his heart. And that's my prayer for you as well. And like Paul had this, this assurance and this hope, you will also be delivered, right? That's really exciting. So I hope that you guys are encouraged by this and you continue to question, how is it that I can live out gospel in this time and place, right? If Paul was in prison and he can share and he can make known that Christ is at the center of this, that he still has a hope and that he has a joy in his faith in this time, well then so can we. You know, like him, we're in isolation. We're in a, in a prison almost. But be excited by what God is doing, by the opportunities he's opening up, and by the things that you can do in your community. Again, whether that's just writing a letter to your neighbors, which is what Paul did, right? When he was in isolation, he wrote a letter to the churches to say, hey, I'm doing well. The gospel's being preached. And here, I want to encourage you. That's something that we can do very easily. Um, we have access to to phones, we can give people a phone call or message or text or whatever, right? Make use of this. This is the time for social networking. Be social with your networks, right? If you've got, if you've got the time, get it done because this is when we can live out gospel. This is when we can live out kingdom.